The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One of the strange things about life in the church is that we, we live according to some overlapping calendars, overlapping cycles. Now, um, we already have that in that uh, while we do have a calendar year that we're drawing to the end of, functionally, I think most of our society really does operate according to the school year, according to the academic year. Things really get to a start in the fall. That's the beginning of what we call the program year. Uh, in the church, but uh, basically it just means the beginning of the school year. Of course, we are now at the beginning of a new year in the church calendar. Our church year begins with the first Sunday in Advent, uh, which we celebrate today uh, along with the, the Feast of St. Andrew at Transferred. If you work in certain industries, you may also have a fiscal year that you keep track of. Um, and uh, you, you may have the, the experience I do where you, you may donate to organizations, some of which have a fiscal year uh, that follows the calendar year, others of which have a fiscal year that doesn't. And so you're never quite sure if you got your gift in this year or not. Uh, but this is also uh, because we're beginning the new church year. Uh, yesterday was the end of the daily office lectionary for year two, so we're back to year one. And uh, boy, at, at uh, year, year two ended with some bangers. Year two ended with the last part of Zechariah's prophecy. Now, Zechariah, I remember when I took Old Testament, uh, my, my prophecy class in, in seminary, my Old Testament professor said uh, the first eight verses of, uh, eight chapters of, of Zechariah are really weird and hard to understand and then nobody knows what's going on in chapters 9 to 14. Uh, but what we get at the, at the very end is this apocalyptic scene, this scene of, of uh, 
well, I'll, I'll read it to you. This, this is uh, Zechariah chapter 14, verse, starting in verse 12. This is the plague with which Yahweh will strike all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they're still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. On that day, men will be stricken by Yahweh with great panic. Each man will seize the hand of another and they will attack each other. Judah, too, will fight at Jerusalem. The wealth of all the surrounding nations will be collected, great quantities of gold and silver and clothing. A similar plague will strike the horses and mules, the camels and donkeys, and all the animals in those camps. And then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the king, Yahweh, the God of angel armies, and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And if any of the peoples of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, Yahweh, the God of angel armies, they will have no rain. If the Egyptian people do not go up and take part, they will have no rain. Yahweh will bring on them the plague that he inflicts on the nations that do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And this will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And on that day, holy to Yahweh will be inscribed on the bells of the horses and the cooking pots in Yahweh's house will be like the sacred bowls in front of the altar. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah will be holy to Yahweh, the God of angel armies. And all who come to sacrifice will take some of the pots and cook in them. And on that day, there will no longer be a Canaanite in the house of Yahweh, the God of angel armies. So you have this picture of God victorious over those who had come to attack his people. Everyone who had come against him will either be destroyed or they will come bringing tribute, knowing that their proper place is one where they are giving honor and glory to God and great wealth to his people. In Luke, the gospel reading for last night, uh, Jesus approached Jerusalem, saw the city, and wept over it, and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you on every side. They'll dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They won't leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And then Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It's written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. So here we have the enemies of God being those who are his own people who are there and failing to recognize his coming. And then in the group that's reading through the Bible in a year, we this, this week came upon 2 Thessalonians, which has some really wild stuff in it, especially toward the end. 2 Thessalonians, Paul says to the, the church at Thessalonica, he says that uh, uh, <clears throat> concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers, 
not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord had already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So we have this man of lawlessness, this chief enemy of God that is going to be coming against him. And then in our Isaiah reading this morning, and this is from a part of Isaiah that would have been written after the nation was defeated, sent into exile in Babylon, and they come back and they say, oh, do not be angry beyond measure, O Yahweh. Don't remember our sins forever. Look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. Your sacred cities have become a desert. Even Zion is a desert. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple where our fathers praised you has been burned with fire. And all that we treasured lies in ruins. After all this, O Yahweh, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure. No, the prayer is that God would rend the heavens and come down. The mountains tremble before you. The prayer is that God would come to deliver His people from their enemies, from everything that comes against them. Even in Psalm 80, we get this same thing, this prayer that God would that his hand would be upon the man of his right hand, the son of man you have made so strong for yourself. And that, of course, like everything we do here, brings us to Jesus. Our collect for today, for the first Sunday in Advent, is one that we will pray during the prayers of the people because we opened up with the Collect for St. Andrew's Day. But the prayer, the Collect for the first Sunday in Advent reads, Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under His most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. See, we weren't done talking about Christ the King after Christ the King Sunday. Jesus is King every week, every Sunday. And in the words that He gave us in our text this morning, he is talking about his coming in glory to judge the living and the dead, the time when his rule and reign will be known and effective throughout the whole of the cosmos. Now, a lot of these texts can be hard to understand, but I think there are some things that we can understand clearly 
that Jesus conveys clearly in this text as he does in others. When he says in Mark, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard, be alert. He talks about the time when men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory and send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. I think there are five things that He's telling us about this. The first is that He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Now, whether he's actually riding on literal clouds or whether this refers to the most majestic and glorious type of appearance that somebody could could have, I don't know. We'll find out. But he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. The second is that we don't know when that's going to happen. Even he, at that time when he was speaking, did not know. Part of him taking on humanity was limiting his divine omniscience to whatever could fit in these little brains of ours. So at that moment, he even didn't know. He says, only the Father knows. So because we don't know when that's going to happen, we probably should not be trying to figure it out. Um, In fact, I think the reason that we try to figure out when this would happen has a lot to do with wanting to make sure that we know when it's going to happen so we can be ready for it when it happens. That or you just may be really curious. But I think a lot of it has to do with making sure that we're ready. Well, here's the, the third point. Jesus says the time when you want to be ready is right now. You may have seen the bumper sticker that says, Jesus is coming, look busy. Not exactly what he means by that. But what he does say is be alert, be watchful, be ready for when he comes. The fourth thing I think Jesus clearly tells us is that you will know it when you see it. And you get that in Paul's letter, he says, you know, if you hear people saying that this has already happened, you'll know. You're going to know when it happens. And the fifth thing, and the most important, is that it is never too late to get ready. It is never too late to turn. You know, God clearly tells us in in the Scriptures. Jesus says this over and over. The prophets demonstrate this, that God holds open the possibility of His enemies becoming His friends. God deals with His enemies, and the way that He wants to do that is to make His enemies His friends, to take away everything that would impede anybody from being His friend. So He takes away our sin so that that which was once filthy rags in His sight is not going to keep us from His presence. But if His enemies don't want to become His friends, 
Scripture teaches that God will destroy them. C.S. Lewis put it, there are those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom in the end God says, thy will be done. It's never too late until it is. There's always more time until there isn't. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Be ready. Amen.